On today's episode, I'm talking to Jody Steinhauer. Jody is a pretty remarkable lady. Not only is she the chief bargain officer of Bargains Group, she also has her charity called Engage and Change. She's really taken a smart wholesale business model and allowed more people to benefit from creating a charity. Whenever I talk to Jody, I always learn something new and I am always inspired by how passionate she is about helping people who do not have homes, helping people who don't have access to the basic needs to live a comfortable life. My name is Jody Steinhauer, and I am the Chief Bargain Officer of the Bargains Group, a 32-year-old discount wholesale uh, company, which is national. I am the founder of the charity Engage and Change, which uh, was really two love projects that started 22 years ago, and also the founder of uh, Kits for a Cause, which is a social enterprise, which is now taking Engage and, and Change and scaling it in a, in a really incredible way. Wow, that's a lot of different things to be the founder of. How, how do you make that work? Tell me a little bit about your day-to-day life. Well, everything's pretty integrated. Really, it really boils down to, I love helping people. I love connecting people and I love making impact. Um, and of course, at a bargain. And really everything I do, those are the key components to what I do. I make people, everybody loves a bargain. We all know what it feels like when you get a great deal on something. Uh, and it, and it's no different for a charity, you know, charities love a bargain because they have no money (laughs) and huge needs. Donors love a bargain because they want to make their donations go ultimately much further. Um, and consumers love a bargain. So really I always say I have the best job in the world. I get to shop for a living and put smiles on everybody's faces. It's just at a much deeper level. The story of engage and change actually started over 20 years ago. Jody has always been an active volunteer in social causes, but started to become more aware of business decisions and the needs behind the scenes. Before I had children, I had a lot more time. Uh, I was volunteering. I started to understand uh, and I was made aware of that homeless shelters actually have to go out and purchase certain items, which I didn't think. I was naive and a lot of people think, oh, everything at a charity gets donated and everybody is a volunteer. Wrong. And um, I recognized that I had a really impact on what I did every day. I bought masses of quantities of basic necessities in my company. And therefore I was selling them to stores. And then I found out charities were going to those stores and purchasing the items that I had sold, which, you know, from somebody who's got bargains in their blood really hurts. So I started communicating first, like, don't do that. Call me directly. I will help you. And if I can give you some donations, I'd be happy to help you too. And when they started to call me, the agencies, the shelters, the out of the colds, the Salvation Armies, boy, they were wonderful people. It was a new kind of sect of people. They were wonderful. They appreciated me. They were nice to my coworkers. They were sending us flowers. They were just a wonderful group of people. And I thought, wow, this really feels good. And when you work 100 hours a week, like an entrepreneur, like Zoe, I know you do too, um, we might as well feel good about it because if it feels shitty, we shouldn't be doing it. So kind of that was the essence of the realization where where I began. And 
the more I started to help these people, the more I realized that they desperately needed more help. And because I'm such a connector, I thought, well, that's easy. I'll just call like 10 friends and tell them to bring like a hundred bucks to my warehouse and we'll put together some kits. It'll be fun, but I want to get them hooked. I, I, I like to do things in sustainable models. I don't want to just do a one of, I want to get them hooked and see if they really are hooked. I was already three steps ahead of them. So I brought a social worker to the office on a Saturday, had 10 friends, everyone showed up with a hundred bucks. And I said, don't ask any questions, trust me. And they did. Jody supplied beer and pizza for the afternoon while the social workers explained what living on the street was really like, talking through the challenges and the problems. It was eye-opening to say the least. You know, I always say it was the eyebrow test. People's eyebrows were like, really? Wow, I had no idea. And this is Toronto. This is a rich city, right? So it was so powerful. We packed these kits and we, we put our business minds together and said, okay, what are we going to do? And what a lot of people do, what, what some of the people wanted to do was wrong. They said, let's go downtown. Back then, everybody, you know, a lot more of a downtown. And let's give these out to people. And the social worker educated us and said to me, no, that's not what you need to do. You need to collaborative. Let's make this a collaborative business model and bring these kits to the social workers because they need the tools to be able to do what they do. And it's like a doctor operating with no tools, right? Uh, so we realized that. So we brought these and we picked five shelters and we donated these kits to them. And it was magical. And we got feedback on what these kits did. It allowed them to do their work. It allowed them to approach somebody and say, you know, what do you need? Do you need something warm? Do you need a sleeping bag? Do you need a place to go? Do you need health care? And um, at the end of the afternoon, everyone said, wow, that was awesome. Can we do it again? Which was what I wanted. Can we bring our employees? Which is what I wanted. And can we bring our kids? And that's what I wanted. And so we did. And we said, let's give it a name. And guys, are you in? Let's do this until homelessness is no longer. It was that organic, right? Just like-minded people coming together, doing something simple, but making big impact. And we named it Project Winter Survival. And a few months later, we asked that social worker, what happens to homeless people in Toronto in the summer? Do they have any problems? And think about it. It's 85 degrees out. We're walking around. We got our sunglasses you know, what, who, who has a care in the world, right? And this is what I was told. More people die of dehydration on the streets of Toronto in the homeless community than they do of the cold exposure in the winter. And we were shocked. I'm still shocked about that because you think about, but think about it. You can only go, I started investigating, three weeks without food, but three days without water. And a lot of the people that suffer from homelessness, and it is a disease in some cases, they're mental health victims. They've got lots of medications. And, you know, if you're in a shelter, you're told to leave at seven o'clock in the morning. And then you've got to go find somewhere to hang out because they've got to clean the shelter and turn it over and do all of that. So if you can't go to an air conditioned mall or somewhere where they're going to potentially kick you out, you know, you're, you're going to be in the beating hot sun. So we started Project Water. And real easy. Back then, we didn't have, uh, you know, showing my age, we had a Rolodex. And we went through and said, who do we know in the beverage business? I'm in the, I'm in the clothing business, right? I, it's very different. Someone said, I'll get you in touch with Nestle Waters. And Nestle Waters came through and said, we'll give you whatever you want. And to this day, 
you know, this year we did 420,000 bottles of water to 240 shelters, outreach and drop-ins during COVID, right? And it was our water, when you saw on the news, those encampments and those tent cities and all of those places, we were storing and su the supplies and that so that they would have that to give out because for a while, even during COVID, everything was shut down. You couldn't go to Tim Hortons or Starbucks. There was no drinking water. And these are people like this is Canada, right? So what happened was we took those two projects and started getting calls from across Canada. And we thought, wow, okay, how do we do this? Jody says she learned a lot from her business mentor, Ed Mervish, about how to leverage her business acumen to make a bigger impact. I found this particularly interesting because I grew up in a Toronto where Honest Ed's was a fun place to stop and shop for some bargain goods. Talking to Jody helped me to realize how important Honest Ed's was to people who were in need and needed access to bargain goods in a way that I didn't even appreciate. He taught me this, Jody. You do business with a lot of vendors. You need their products in your kits. You tell them, I will give you this purchase order for 100,000 pairs of socks, but I need you to donate 3,000 pairs to my charity. I hope I can count on you. And if, you, if they say no, you have other choices of who to buy socks from. And that's what Ed taught me. So I'm very grateful to my suppliers, again, my network, who many of them want to help out and be connected to a very powerful give, but don't have the time or resources. And some of them don't, but they do it anyways. And, and that's how we were, ab were able to get about 90% of the donations that go into these kits twice a year. And then it's just through connections. You know, if I meet you and tell you my story, the next question usually is, Jody, how can I help you? I'm like, who are you? Who do you know? Do you have anybody in pharma, retail, whatever, cash? Like, I'm, I, I'm not shy to ask. You can say no, and that's cool. But that's, that's what it's all about. And generally speaking, everybody really at the core, I believe, wants to help. They just don't know how. And if I make it easy for them, and they can make, I just the other day met a guy and he says, what do you need? I said, I'm having a real hard time getting toothpaste because all the dentists have been closed. And he said, oh, I've got a senior contact at a certain company. Within two minutes, they got me on the phone with them. Like, that's really what it is. It's, it's who do we all know? And I'm able to put it all together. I have a board member right now, okay, Rhonda, who's a partner of KPMG. She just retired. And we got a massive donation from a casino of playing cards. You know, after the dealers use them, they put them in a box. That what they didn't tell us was they're not full decks. Okay. So during COVID, her and her husband are literally laying them all out on the table every night, matching up full decks, repurposing them so that we can put them into our winter survival kits because it's mental stimulation for somebody to have a deck of cards. You know, like that's that's love, right? So so that's kind of what engage and change is all about. And and the cool thing is there's a little bit of education. What I really love about it, anybody who comes to our events, it's the only charitable event that anybody has ever told us where I get all the banks, all the competitors around the table, you know, shoulder to shoulder, competing to pack kits and high-fiving each other because poverty has no boundaries, right? And everybody comes together year after year. The donors don't leave and they have lineups of people who can come to this spectacular event because it's fun. 
Um, and they learn every year we bring out a homeless person to tell their story and, and stories like you've never heard. Like last year we had a woman, um, Barbara, who was just like us. Nobody would ever have known she was homeless. She was living in a storage unit. Okay. She worked in a downtown office building. They had a gym membership for the employees. She would go to the gym in the morning, take a shower and go back to her $250 a month rented storage unit that her kids didn't even know where she was because she got evicted because she couldn't pay her rent. Right. There's there. I could go on every see every year. We bring a different story out to show the faces of homelessness. It's not what people think it's you and me with really shitty luck. Right. And um, so that's what Engage and Change is. And it's about subliminally educating people, um, bringing, you know, I've got people like, I'll never forget, I gave a keynote speech at BMO years ago. And uh, back then, Sherry Cooper was the chief economist. And she said she had never, ever understood. And she walked over homeless people morning, noon, and night when she went up to her ivory tower. And she came to me and said, after the speech, I want to be your friend and I want to help you. And she went to the top brass at BMO, Tony Comper and all of them and said, this is what we should be doing. Not having bake sales for certain other charities. This is it. And she put her money where the mouth is, sent an email to all of the people and came out to our event several years and packed kits on the line for, with all of us. And, you know, that's what it's all about. Like she never had intersections with somebody who pulled up from a homeless shelter and gave her a hug and said, God bless right? And they had never intersections with someone like her. So it's all about fusing people together, telling the stories and making change. I spent some time thinking this over. One thing I return to over and over and over again in this podcast is the conflict between doing good and then talking about it without looking opportunistic. As a marketer, there seems to be some suspicion about doing good and then talking about it in your marketing. So how do you as a brand demonstrate that the act of being good or doing good is genuine? I think it's like that dirty little conversation that nobody wants to have. Can you actually, you know, can Ed Mervish leverage giving out turkeys, right? And the answer is absolutely yes. There's a, there's a very delicate balance, right? Um, you know, 20 years ago, I won Canadian Woman Entrepreneur of the Year and Canada's Top 40 for all these fancy awards. And I couldn't understand why. And it was because they, they referred to me as the pioneer of brokering good in Canada. I was a business person and I'm, I'm not a big company, right? I'm not just writing a check off the top of my, of my you know, bottom line, you know, eight figure revenues. That's not who I am. Well, and that's what it comes down to. You that's still have another business. You have to make money. I have to make money. And I'm very clear. I mean, I get resume after resume of people say, I'm dying to work for someone like you. I want to make an impact. I'm done with just, you know, making money. I want to make a difference. And now during COVID, that's 10 times, right? But I say to people, thank you. You come into my boardroom and you'll see 500 awards and plaques all over award all over the wall. They're there for a reason strategically, because if somebody doesn't connect with that and all the charities and everything, they're not part of who I want in my inner circle. But in order to do good as a business person, you have to make money. You know, you can't, and that's okay. If I don't make money and that's part of my struggle, I love doing the charity stuff, 
but I constantly have to pull myself back and cut myself off to say, okay, like that's there, but I have to make money to keep the lights on. Right. And that's, what's really, but because I put it out there in everything I do that I'm a broker of goodness. Uh, I've got a guy in my, my company um, who I got handpicked out of a homeless shelter 19 years ago, and he runs my shipping and receiving and I've really rehabilitated him in every way. And this week he finally came to me and said, I'm ready for a cell phone. Okay. Like I've taken him under my wing, but he's, he's incredible. So whether I mentor right now, I've got 14 interns that I'm working with. Most of them are foreign students, right? Who just need experience and someone to give them a break, right? So whether I'm helping someone with their, their dignity, with work experience, um, with opportunity, it's really all the same. It's one word, it's goodness, right? So and I driving profitability isn't a bad thing because it means that you're able to achieve more impact. I, I'm telling yeah. you this, I'm, I'm saying this in this way because I was a kindergarten teacher first. Right. And so it was like, you do good, you help kids, you get to have this young teacher salary and you'll have the benefit of a pension in 35 years. Right. And, uh, you know, I was like, oh my God, isn't this work more important than the paycheck I'm getting? Right. Like, isn't this yeah. setting the foundations of children? My gosh, yeah. like teachers are completely underpaid. I, I just right. making a statement about it, but it makes me, what it made me realize as I, as I grew into my own business skin was, oh my gosh, people think that when you do good, you shouldn't be making as much money. Well, and that's, and that's a big problem. And I have to tell you 20 years ago, when I was winning all the awards and being interviewed, one of the questions was, so let me understand this. You help, you know, these charities, are you making money? when you're actually providing them with socks. Now, this was in my day job, remember, not under Engage and Change, and it does get a bit confusing. And I had to be really careful from a PR perspective. And here was my answer when someone asked me this. I said, I'm providing XYZ Charity socks for 50 cents. How much do you actually think I'm making there? And then they backed off. Guess what? I was making money, and that's okay. Because if I wasn't making money, I couldn't do the work. And the other thing that I say is when I was growing up, a lot of the mothers, nobody worked. They did volunteer work. They were professional volunteers, right? Thank goodness. Our generation and your generation, everybody works. So traditionally, it's more of a woman's role to do the volunteer work. If you're working 100 hours a week and trying to bring up a family or have a family, where the hell are you going to have time to volunteer? So that's my my purpose as a business leader is to say, people don't have time. So give them the time during work hours. Empower people to do volunteer work from nine to five, not nine hours a day, but like an hour. And you will have more productive employees because they're more passionate about what they do. They'll get the job done and they'll be singing your praises and you'll attract better talent. You'll retain them. And on top of it, you'll win deals. I mean, I single-handedly have no salespeople in my company, okay? And I have a 32-year-old company that grows and grows and grows every single year, okay? Why? Because people remember me and they resonate and they connect with me. And when somebody needs a logo t-shirt or something for their church or synagogue, they'll say, remember that woman? Who, like, let's call her because they trust me because of all of the work they do. 
And people want to do business with good people, not just good companies, good people. So it's important that I empower my people within my company to show how good they are individually and collectively we're here also as a group. And I think that's what makes my company, the bargains group, very different and engage and change is just an extension of that. People respect you for that because you're going to say to them, and you've said it to me, I'm not going to take your money to do this because I don't think it's a good idea. If you want me to, I will, but that's who we are. And, and I do the same thing. I, I downsell most clients. I say, you know, if you want to buy wool work socks, or you want to buy this, I'll take your money. But let me explain to you why you don't have to. If I sell you this product, that's three times less you'll be able to buy three times more. And here's all the other reasons why. And people look at you and say, wow, like who downsells people? We're so, we're so used to, you know, would you like fries with that? Everyone's all about the upsell, just actually being authentic and saying to people, I don't really think that's a good choice of your money. People are blown away and you build that that trust and that goodness and that kindness, right? And, and for me, it's the same thing. I think yeah. they're cut from a similar cloth. And that's I'll, why we connected. Yeah, I'll tell you, you're not, I've never told you this before, but um, my grandfather had a business called Bargain Benz. Okay. And so he was a Holocaust survivor and he was the original entrepreneur of my family. And just like you told this story about this employee who's been with your company, you know, all from so many years, when he came to Canada, Bargain Benz was in a different country. When they came to Canada, they started a women's clothing um, manufacturing factory and business. Um, and they had a floor sweeper who was an immigrant. Uh, I think he had no teeth at right. the beginning. And he ended up being with the factory until it closed 25 years later. Then he worked at my parents' law firm as a legal clerk. Right. Yeah. He stayed with my family for right. his entire career from floor sweeper to like senior legal legal clerk and right. i'm like that's that's what i want to do i want to create yeah. jobs for people that's like that's my legacy and right. it started with bargain ben so yeah. bargains group to me there's there's no we have to make money it's an economy yeah the uh, one thing i was gonna i want to share with you about about engage and change. A lot of people have this kind of uh, thought about, well, that's great, but like, I don't have time, okay? And I don't have money. So I really wanna say to people, it doesn't take a lot of time or money. If you've got a little bit of a flame in you and you feel you wanna do good, but you just don't know where to start, in 15 minutes, I will give you the solution, right? And whether it be local, you know, for your company, for your family, I think right now uh, we're all really going through some challenging times and some turbulent changes. And, you know, the challenge we've got is we're exhausted. We're mentally exhausted. We're physically exhausted. But when you do good, okay, it just kind of brings this like energy like nothing. And I want to share with you, I went through, uh, in 2013, I walked out of my husband and I never, ever expected what was going to happen over the next seven years. It was a very amicable, there was not a story there. He was a good man, but I wasn't happy. Right. And I wanted to change the world. And 
through some of the most horrible, horrific things that happened, which there will be a book one day about it. Um, people didn't understand how I could get out of bed in the morning after I was in fear for my life. I was being threatened. My employees were being threatened. Everything around me was in fear. It was like a bad movie. I had bodyguards at points. I found a gun. I'm not even going to get into it. But when I say bad, bad, okay? And people would say to me, what is keeping you going, okay? There was no other man. There was not. It was just, you know what? Like a lot of us, I'm living a six out of 10 and I'm not a six out of 10 kind of girl. And I want to find like, how do I get to 10? And that's not with this partner. And what kept me going was giving, right? What kept me going every single day when I didn't sleep for three years because I was afraid I was going to be killed in the middle of my sleep, okay, was however bad I feel I'm suffering today. I am so grateful. I have a roof over my head. I have food on my table and I have beautiful children, right? And the giving, like I had no time, to, I almost lost my company, everything, but I still contained and committed to engage in change, okay? Engaging change was my compass that I had to keep doing it. And that's what kept me feeling great. And no matter how bad a day I'm having, if you are having a bad day, and a lot of us are having a lot of bad days, think about, I was trained, think about somebody who's just not as fortunate about you. Go do a good deed, buy some a coffee, call someone up, say hello. You know, whatever that is for you, it doesn't have to be difficult or big, but just do it. And I guarantee you the benefits that will come back to you, right? You can't put a price on them. And I truly believe that my world is the way it is now because every day I focus on giving, right? And that's really what it's all about. Who doesn't want to feel good, right? Who doesn't? There's nothing wrong with feeling good. That's no, we all need to feel a little more good. You, you, oh, I feel good. Everyone else is struggling. I feel good. And then I'm like, you know what? If I don't feel good, I can't make more things happen for others. Right. So Absolutely. I have to commit to feeling good. Absolutely. And it's a commitment. Zoe, it is a commitment that you have to commit to feeling good because no one's going to do it for you, right? No one's going to. And there's a lot of people around us you know, I call them energy vampires. There's a lot of people around me because I make myself so available to people. There's a lot of people around me who are very needy. So feeling good and doing good, sometimes it's just talking to somebody who's suffering from some really bad depression. And right now there's a lot of that. Sometimes it's just saying, look at, I'm really crazy busy because I work 150 hours a week, but I got 15 minutes, I'm in the car. Like, tell me how you are, I'm checking in but I'm going to have to hang up in 15 minutes. Right. And that's okay that you don't have two hours. Right. But boy, at the end of the 15 minutes, I know that I helped that person. And I know that I feel good because I was unselfish with those 15 minutes and put that forward. So sometimes it's just time. Sometimes it's just money. Sometimes it's stuff. It doesn't matter. It's all about giving. Right. Yeah. So I encourage everybody to make a giving goal every single day. I hope you enjoyed today's episode with Jody Steinhauer. There's so much more to unpack with Jody, and I hope we get to have her back on the show again. 
Thanks for joining me for this episode of Voices with a Cause, where we talk to brands who care about how they use their voices to make social impact changes in the world. Make sure you subscribe to this channel for updates. And if you liked today's episode, be sure to share it with a friend or comment. I'm always happy to hear from you. I'm Zoe Cher, and this is Voices with a Cause. See you soon.